0: Hey, everybody. Okay, this is a bonus episode. This is extra. If 15 minutes of Parsha a week is not enough for you, if you're jonesing for more Parsha, then you you may know that I teach a weekly Parsha class here at ICAR in Los Angeles every Thursday at noon uh, Pacific time. You're welcome. Um, we've got folks joining us virtually from places as far away as Japan on, on Zoom. And uh, we've been archiving video edits of the classes on YouTube, but we thought we might try cutting down the one-hour class to about 40 minutes for you, for the listeners of the Best Book Ever podcasts that might not be able to fit a midday class on Thursday into your schedule. So I hope you enjoy listening to these as much as I enjoy teaching them. Um, if you're interested to attend the class from wherever you are in the world in person, then stick around at the end of the podcast, I'll tell you how to register. Um, Just like the podcast, it's absolutely free and we'd love to have you. All right, welcome everybody. Thanks to Vera for that track. Eartha kit. very, very, uh, very on 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 uh, on theme today because we're going to be talking about evil, or at least wondering about evil. Uh, are there evil people? Are there are there are there evil evil men in this world? Um, I'm thinking about the famous phrase uh, from George W. Bush: "The Axis of Evil." You remember the Axis of Evil? Remember who was in the axis of evil? He's actually actually it's not it's not, it's not a bad identity. He had to, he had he had North Korea, Iran, and Iraq, right? But what I mean, but what he really meant, you know, I mean, he was obviously obsessed with Saddam Hussein, I and mean, he really meant Saddam, the Ayatollah, and Kim Kim Jong Il, right? That that was like, and that's part of what I think George Bush was trying to say. First of all. To, to use the the phrase the axis of evil is to say there's an axis like there are there's an alliance there's there are forces of evil in this world there's a structure of evil in this world that must be dismantled. So that 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 sentiment uh, is in my mind. And then I think he was also you know as we know, he was going after Saddam and I think that there was also a sense that he, he felt that the problem was that the the countries were led by um, led by I'm sorry I'm a little distracted just a a lot of a lot of folks I'm noticing have their mutes on or off so like Jane Sobo if you could mute yourself that'd be great okay Um, part of what he was trying to say is that the problem is those leaders those evil evil men and I think I'm not sure that that's that is the problem with you know, geopolitical conflict, but it's at least a theory. And I think if I asked you, who are the evil leaders in the world today, you could could imagine what names would start to come up. Is that too simple an analysis? Do they see us as evil? We could talk about that, but there is some notion that um, sometimes we fear these bad men leading these evil nations, the axis of evil. And I say all this because what I want to look at today with you all is Moses's axis of evil. Moses also has a kind of um, a a kind of a, a list of the worst of the worst, the ones that you ought to remember, the ones that really, the problem in the world, the axis of evil. Now, who is on Moses's list? Not Pharaoh, right, that, That's the obvious. It's gonna be Pharaoh. But as we can think of other kings, we just saw um, Balak, who we spent a whole parsha with. He was trying to curse um, Israel. What, you know, it, are those are those Moses's um, greatest nemesis? I mean, Pharaoh. It's hard to, you know. But it actually seems like there are two other names that Moses can't get out of his mind the real lingering forces of evil in the world for Moses the ones that he keeps returning to are Sichon and Og okay so we're going to look at those two figures today and try and figure out who are these guys and what is so bad about these two kings okay so let's uh this is like um this is this is um this is going to be a little bit of a, of an investigation into, uh, into the absence of a legend, because when it comes to Og, we have lots of legends, we have lots of great legends, and I've I've taught them in this um, class before, the legend of Og, but when it comes to Sichon, the other of this this access that we're going to look at today, we really really don't seem to have that much information. So first of all, why Og and Sihlom? But secondly, why do we have a whole history of Og and we don't have much to say about Sihlom? So that's, that's like sort of the sub-question today. OK, uh, that's, I think I've introduced quite enough. Let's, let's say a blessing and begin our, our study. Baruch Adonai, melech Olam asher la'asok Torah. Thank God for the opportunity to keep reading the Torah, uh, and this is one of those days, you know, where I feel like, oh, here's something I never really thought about before. That's that's the feeling I have when we keep reading the Torah. It just seems like, oh, there's a whole history here that I I've like spent, you know, half my life reading the Torah, and I still I never I never really unearthed this history. So I'm going to try to do that today. All right, let's begin. Um, where does this kind of, uh, this question emerge? Like, who is Sichon? Who is Og? Where, Where do we start feeling this question? I will tell you that I feel it. I'm, I'm provoked to this question regularly on Shabbat. On Shabbat. And that is because on Shabbat and not during the week, we recite Psalm 136. Famous psalm that is called um, that it, that is referred to as like a, a Hallel, the great Hallel. Like it's it's a song of praise and one of the great songs of praise. And we insert it on Shabbat in order to praise God. Kilo lam for God's kindness, for God's love is eternal. And every line is God did this kilo lam and God did this kilo lam It functions a little bit like Dayenu right oh if only god had just created the world dienu if only god had just freed us from egypt Dianu. it's kind of a list of all the things that god has done for us and fair enough i mean that's you know that seems like something we should be thinking about that seems like um that seems like a good way to build our 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 sense of gratitude and praise go through all of the go through all of the um the great the great deeds, great acts that God has done for us and the Torah is full of them. Um, Fine. So Dayenu, Elu, if God had taken us out of Egypt, that we expect and God gave us the Torah, God brought us to the land, but here, let me give you a, a source, but it's surprising to me every week and we sing it at Ikar, so I notice it. All right, two of the lines are as follows. God, who struck down great kings for god's love is eternal let me let me just give you a little context here okay this is psalm 136 okay you can like we're just going to sort of scan it but praise god praise god for god's steadfast love is eternal made the heavens spread the earth over the water real like start at the beginning kind of stuff the moon and the stars and then struck egypt through their firstborn and brought Israel. there he was crossing the red sea i mean this is like this is a big this is this is the big stuff drowned pharaoh in the sea led his people through the wilderness my goodness and then all of a sudden verse 17 who struck down great kings here we'll jump back to our source sheet who struck down great kings for god's love is eternal and slew mighty kings as if you hadn't said it in in the, in the last verse, yeah, you you got you really killed these kings for God's love is eternal. And then it, there's a verse for each of these kings. Sichon melech Amori. Sichon uh, is one of the kings because God's love is eternal. it's a funny line to say, Sichon melech Amori for God's love is eternal. Og melech for God's love is eternal. And gave their land as a heritage for God's love is eternal. A heritage to God's servant Israel for God's love is eternal okay and then like you know back into the uh back into uh there, like it gets general again so actually in some ways the most specific thing that's happening here outside of pharaoh, pharaoh drowning in the army is Sichon and og sikhon and og so who are these characters why are they such a big deal and the reason that i'm like stirring this up all of this up this week is because it's surprising in Psalm 136, but it comes up again and again and again. And here we, this week, are beginning the book of Deuteronomy. And in the book of Deuteronomy, there's one thing that I say every year, most important thing to remember about the Duke of book of Deuteronomy is that it's Moses talking, Moses's voice, Moses's great speech. Um. So what's Moses thinking about? What's Moses obsessed with? Who does Moses, how does Moses want to tell the story? That's one of the questions we ask throughout the book of Deuteronomy. But take a look at the opening lines of, of Deuteronomy before Moses even starts to speak. These are the words that Moses addressed to all of Israel on the other side of the Jordan. Dun, 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 dun. Lots of place names, lots of times. It was in the 40th year on the first day, da, 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 da. And verse four of the great introduction to Moses' great speech is after he had defeated Sihon Melech the king of the Amorites, who dwelt in Cheshbon, and King Og of Bashan, who dwelt at Ashtarot and Edrei. On the other side of the Jordan, in the land of Moab, Moses undertook to expound this teaching, this Torah, and he said, okay, so I hope you can get a sense now, like, wow, that is, that's quite, that's quite strange and quite prominent. What is this constant return to Sihon and Ob, Sichon and Ob, okay. I mean, I could stop here and say, what do you think? What is the problem? But I, I don't want to pause just yet because the whole point is, I don't know, who are these characters? I mean, we do have their battles recorded. We'll look at them, but I mean, if you're anything like me, you're thinking, I don't know, right? Why, why are these such important figures to remember that, that Moses defeated these two kings? Okay, let me give you one answer and then we'll start and then I'll I'll open it up and and see, start to see what you think. Okay, let me give you one answer. Let's go, we're gonna use Rashi. Rashi, the the great um commentator on the Torah, um, also has commentary on most of the Hebrew Bible. And here's Rashi's commentary on the book of Psalms. So let's go back a little bit. So Sichon. King of the Amorites and Og, King of Bashan. Why is the psalm talking about these great kings? And Rashi says an interesting thing: Great kings. Rashi says, "Kan kan um, Ramaz lamed aleph malachim." This is alluding, hinting to what are all the who are all these great kings? The thirty-one kings. If you count up all of the battles that Israel went through, actually there were a lot of kings that were that died in battle along the way there were 31 of them actually and the psalm is comparing them to pharaoh and his host and the plagues of egypt to, to mighty kings harsher than they so that's quite something to say that pharaoh was a big deal but these kings are even harsher than pharaoh and pharaoh's army i mean that, that's already quite surprising. And then Rashi says, and Sichon was equal to all of them by himself. Okay. And then Rashi says something that he doesn't usually say, and so it is in the Agadah, and the Agadah means in the legends. Usually though Rashi tells us which legend he's drawing from. And here he just says, that's the idea that we get from the legends is that Sichon was the the worst of them all. The 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 most destructive, terrible, evil king of them all, worse than Pharaoh and all of the other kings that we've met put together. Okay. Well, why? Why? Why was why was Sihon such a bad guy? We don't we don't really know. So he's worse than everyone, and yet they they're. Rashi's right there is a constant mention okay and then one other thing one other thing that I want to show you before before we we start to open up our conversation a little bit which is that um the Rashi on on the other on the other piece of Torah that we looked at that um that Deuteronomy introduces the the speech of Moses and names Moses the speaker and says Moses is also the guy who defeated Sihon and Og what does Rashi say there? Why, why is it such a big deal? Why is Sihon such a big deal? Because um, even Sichon, even if Sihon uh, had, okay, so the language there is Sichon who dwelt in Cheshbon. Sihon who dwelt in Cheshbon and Rashi says something that is perhaps a kind of an interpretation, although again, it doesn't unlock too much for me. But even if Sihon himself had not been difficult, uh, but had lived in Hezbon, he would have been difficult because the city was a, difficult, was a difficult place. And the word for difficult here is kashe, which means both harsh and maybe difficult to defeat. And if it had been a matter of some other city, but Sihon had resided in it, it would have been difficult because its king at least was difficult. So how much more so now that the king was difficult and the land was difficult? In other words, in other words, it seems like what Rashi is saying is, what's the big deal about Sichon? Is that it was a an evil man leading an evil nation, or a a mighty leader and a fierce people, and it was both, and they were just so ferocious, just as a nation, that that's what's so so bad about Sichon. Okay, so we got a couple answers now. We, You know, drawing from very little source material so far, but just noticing them come up again, we have, Sihon was the worst king of all, worse than Pharaoh, worse than everyone else put together. Why would that be? Okay. And answer number two, both from Rashi, not only that, but the whole Sichon nation was a terrible and evil nation. Okay. All right. Okay, so here we are we're at we're like at this axis of evil and let me just pause here and ask does does anyone see anything does anyone have any theories is there anything that's like coming up for folks when you see this reference to Sihon and Og I should presume not right there's no, we have very little to go on that's that's my point There's theory starting to come up we notice. The reference to these two and theories starting to come up, but there's really nothing to say. Okay, so then we might as well dive into the stories themselves. And um I want to just uh, I I, I want to just th- again say the reason that we're talking about this is because we're in now the first part of Deuteronomy. It introduces Moses with Sichon and Og, and then Moses, one chapter later, is telling the story of Sichon and one chapter of that after that telling the story of og so it's almost like it's like i, I could just you know skim past this cuz who are these guys anyway but they really are they take up most of this week's the opening parsha to deuteronomy the opening speech of moses the great sort of um, oratory of Moses begins is introduced with the idea that Moses is the guy that killed Sihon and Og and then Moses really recounts it and I will tell you I'll tell you I'll emphasize once again what what I emphasized in the psalm which is that Moses goes into greater detail about his battles with Sihon and Og than he does about his battle with Pharaoh what's What's going on? How could that? How could that be true? What is it about Sichon and Og that are so important that we've almost forgot the story of the Exodus from Egypt? Okay, all right. So let's take a look. We're we're going to look at a few vantage points, but uh, here at least we can start uh, look like um, uh, sort of um, um, uh, fishing or uh, searching for. Uh, tidbits of information let's look at how moses tells the story and see if there isn't anything in the story that tells us why Sichon was such a bad dude we'll get to og eventually but let's first look at Sichon. okay Sihon, here we are this is this is deuteronomy this is this week's Pasha Pasha uh, Devarim, and uh, moses telling this telling this story up set out across the wadi arnon god said to moses I I should have another verse. God said to Moses, "Up, set out across the wadi Arnon. See, I give into your power. I'm, I'm going to deliver Sihon into your, into your hand and his land. Begin the occupation and engage him in battle." Okay. Then there's some interesting language here. Today, Hayom, this day. I begin, Today is the day that I begin to put the dread and the fear of you upon the peoples everywhere under heaven so that they shall tremble and quake because of you whenever they hear you mention. Okay. Go conquer Sichon and when you do, this is, this is what's going to make people know that you are you are not to be messed with. Okay, so that's interesting. Then says Moses, I sent messengers um, from the wilderness of Kedmot to King Sichon of Hezbon with an offer of peace, divrei shalom, an offer of peace. Now that's interesting too. And I said this, it doesn't actually totally make sense. God says you're going to conquer him, but Moses starts with an offer of peace. Okay. And Moses says, let me pass through your country. Let me let me pass through your country. I'm going to go right on the highway. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to, don't just let us take the main road. We're not going to spend any time in your country. Just let us cross. What food I eat, I will, you will supply for money. And what water I drink, you will furnish for money. Just let me pass through. So if, if we eat, we pluck fruit along the way. If we hunt animals along the way, if we find water, drink, I'll pay you for that. Just let me pass through. As the descendants of Esau who dwell in Seir did for me, and the Moabites who dwell in Ar, that I may cross the Jordan into the land that our God the Eternal is giving us. Okay, so that's the request. But Sichon of refused to let us pass through because the Eternal had hardened his spirit. <speaking> and emboldened his heart in order to deliver him into your power, as is now the case. All right, now we've got stuff to talk about. Now we've got some, uh, we can can start to build a case. What do we see here that might give us some sense of what's so bad about Sichon? What have we seen that might be a clue into why Sihon is remembered by Rashi as the worst of all the kings that Israel ever fought. Ariella, will you start us off?
1: Well, what jumped out at me is the
0: hardening of the heart. Good. Good. Why did that jump out at you, Ariella? Pharaoh's heart ah, was hardened. Good. Okay, good. All right, that's the big that's the, that's the big uh, g- gimme here and and Ariella got it. First of all, I <laughs> I put, it, I put it in bold, right? But Ariella makes the connection and this is an important connection. This is, this is actually very important because the phrase is so famous to us. It's a little different here. God hardened his spirit and, and, and emboldened his heart. So it's a little bit of a you're you're playing around with the classic phrase because the classic phrase is he ksha et et levavo. God hardened his heart, and the person who God whose heart God hardens famously is Pharaoh. That's a famous part of the story. We don't even we spend every year we talk about why did God harden Pharaoh's heart? God made Pharaoh less willing to concede, so that I don't know, God could make more miracles or i don't know but it makes pharaoh particularly fierce but also strangely not in control of himself and god's doing it okay so an echo of pharaoh and that certainly gives you a sense of how bad this guy could be if this guy is 40 years later another pharaoh okay anything else you see in here that's great Ariel. What else?
1: There's one major
0: um, there's one major cruelty that's just right there in in, in front of us. There's one, I mean we, we could fish for lots of things. We could say, oh, the Pharaoh and the dread's gonna be upon you. Well, that must mean he was really mighty because you could conquer him. But what's the what's the what's the big thing that he the big um, uh, a, f- a front uh, that that Zihon, uh carries out. Yes, uh, uh, Lawrence Larry Zuckerman. Uh, you went. It's
1: it's hospitality. Um, it, it was neutral to him, but he actually made it to be beneficial. He could make some money on the food and water. We're not going to do anything else. We just want to pass through and buy some food and water because we need it. It's neutral or beneficial to the king, and he goes no.
0: Good. Good. That's right. That's right. Okay. That's right. God says, I'm going to, you're going to conquer these people. It seems like a done deal. Just go and invade. But Moses, Moses follows a different ethic. And it's an ethic where we actually haven't even learned about yet. It's later in the book of Deuteronomy, the laws of war are such that when you go to do battle, you have to offer terms of peace. Now, that's not exactly like sweet loving peace. It's terms of surrender. <laughs> Um, But in this case, it actually sounds that there's not, what Moses is offering is let's not go to war, which is quite surprising. God just said to go to war. But Moses is saying, just let us pass through. Just let us pass through. We just, and why why is is it important that Moses be able to pass through? I should have a map for us here. But where are these places? We intuit this. These are the places on the other side of the Jordan River, where the Israelites cross over into the land of Canaan. This is sort of like the port. Okay, uh, I, I, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll search for a map and, and, and put it up, but, um, but that's significant, right? The, 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 it, this is the entry, the entry port into the land of, so they're gonna have to go through anyway. They're just gonna have to they've come up around this way and that's you know that's the way they have to go in so they need this they need this access and and sihon does not give it to them but as larry said it seems like there's no cost to him and in fact if anything he will benefit from it so it it feels like just, I don't know. What do you say? Cruelty. It's a little hard to just say that he's being mean when you you can speculate about other strategic interests that he has in mind. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't want these people, you know, becoming a powerful nation across the I don't, I don't know. But it, it is striking the way uh he doesn't let him cross through. No, and then they go to war and and you know the Israelites win. So bad move, Sichon, but. It does give you a sense of maybe how vicious he is. Okay, so good. So we've got Ariella's connection, which is that he was Pharaoh-like, in that his heart was particularly hard, and we've got um, Larry's uh, framework here um, that, that 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 points out that um, not only was was he was he not open to our words of peace, but that. It seems like there was there, there there was no reason for him to deny us other than to to do us wrong. Okay. So we could keep keep speculating a little bit. There anything else you see in this passage you want to take note of, Kathy? Uh,
1: well, I mean, I, I, I sort of a obvious point here but you know, he compares uh, the, the the descendants of Esau and the Moabites. I mean, it's like, oh you know, I mean, they're always kind of bad guys and everything, and being an Esau defender, I'm, you know, attuned. but here, it's even these other, you know, enemies uh, allowed this, so, you know, it's, it's Sihon is even worse than, 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 than the other enemies, so. Okay. I just-
0: yeah, that's really good. Okay, thank you, Kathy. Um, that's right. We we saw. Let's put this up, and then I am going to try and Google a map because I think it's starting to get too confusing without a little visual. But um, uh, just let me pass through, as the descendants of Esau who dwell in Seir did for me. Those are not my friends. Those are not. That's not. That's not a friendly nation. But they still let us pass through. And the Moabites who dwelled in Ar, and you know we don't have great relationships with the Moabites either. But look, they at least let us walk through. But Sichon refused. Okay, so Kathy's right. There's some sense that, and this is this is part of when we think about Sichon and um, Og. This is what I mean by the um, the axis of evil. There, we have we have uh, uh, or they had. I don't know if we still have. Um, um, we have lots of enemies uh, uh, in the ancient world. There's lots of um, there's lots of tension. In the in the region that we refer the, on the east side, right? Egypt's down south. Canaan slash Israel is north of Egypt, right? They come up this way. I'm gonna put a map on that. And then what we're talking about is the east, east of Eden, right? The east of the on the other side of the Jordan, the, the whole region that we refer to as Midian. Like this, this is a, an important passageway. It's an essential passageway. And then it also it becomes, so for those of you who like to think more of like his, I'm looking at Hal, I'm looking at Matt, you know, the, like think about the ancient world, the strategy, the history, the, the military concerns of the ancient world. Some of this maybe that land, that territory was crucially important. And if there's any sense that they're not going to pa- let us pass through, we got it. We got to kill these guys. So that there, there's there's, a, there's an analysis there to be made. I remember reading... Now, I want to just say one thing here, and then I'm going to turn to El's comment. Uh, sichon, 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 I keep saying. And why am I not talking about Og? Og, the other king, much cooler name, right? Og, sounds like a monster. Sounds like a, sounds like a, you know, a, a giant. And that is, and, I, and uh, that is, in fact, what the, what the legend says that Og was. So I want to, I, I, I want a part, my whole part of my whole reason for for taking us down this this thorny path is that as I said before Ogg's got a legend we know we've got plenty of great source material for og and the legend of og also starts in our Parsha in Deuteronomy I'm not going to read through the whole thing but the important verse here to see is in chapter three of Deuteronomy so chapter two we have this whole story of Sichon we just looked at and um, and we ended in that line that Ariella really picked up on that the eternal had hardened his spirit and emboldened his heart. Great connection. Then chapter three, we made our way up the road towards uh, Bashan and King Og um, took the field. Don't worry, God said, we're going to defeat him too. And we do defeat him and we defeat all the towns around him, et cetera, et cetera. We, we doomed them as we had doomed the King of Sihon and uh, on and on and on. And then the last thing that it says in the story is that only King Og of Bashan was left of the remaining Rephaim. Now, Rephaim, what are Rephaim? Uh, the commentaries are speculating, oh, Rephaim are like a certain class of people or a certain legendary uh, gr- group of people who were, well, as you'll soon see, who were enormous. And the way that the Torah makes that point is to say his bedstead, meaning the place where Og slept, an iron bed, is now in Rabbah of the Ammonites. They, they, They kept it as a memory, his bed, and it's nine cubits long and four cubits wide by the standard cubit. A cubit is like three or four feet. So we're talking about like someone who is like 30 or 40 feet tall by the record of his bed. Okay, that's the Torah's doing that itself. The legends just explode. And um, I, yeah, I wrote a whole, I have a book coming out this fall and I wrote a whole essay on the legend of Og. It's like such great stuff. I mean, so, uh, the legend of Og is like, you could just, w- you know, we'll have that cla- We've had it before and we'll have it again. But, but a lot of what I'm trying to do in this class is, is to say, okay, but Moses always says Og and Sihon. Where's the legend of Sihon? Where's the legend of Sihon? So you can see how, why we're, how um, these two figures are kind of compared and one gets a legend of his own. The other one, we 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 never fully unearthed the legend. Rashi is giving us version, oh, he was the worst king of all, but why, why? Okay, so let's continue exploring that. Yes, all right, Um, let's turn back to Larry, although I think it's not Larry, but.
1: Thank you, hi, thank you. Um,
0: Tell me your name again.
1: Oh, it's Laura. Uh, yeah thank you um this is a a a really good um series of insights i wanted to circle back briefly to the nature of evil why this king would be considered to um you know uh be the um the top dog in the evil nation um Mm -hmm. and and there might be something to that so in other words what we have here is an offer of peace and it's gratuitous for that king who has great power and privilege to say no, uh, which suggests something which would be the arbitrary exercise of power, which also could be interpreted as abusive. Mm -hmm. Um, And when we begin to see this kind of arbitrary exercise of power, as an example, let's go back to Pharaoh just briefly and say, he he hardened his heart, God hardened his heart, but he had his reasons, even if we don't agree with his reasons, And, and he had a list. Uh, this guy has no reasons. It's completely arbitrary and unreliable.
0: Good. That's thank you so much for that, Laura. That's, that's right. That deepens the, the, the questioning that we were, we were just doing like, what, what, what is it that makes this such a, an axis of evil nation? And Laura's saying, well, let's think about evil. And let's think about some of the details that we've been reviewing here. Notably, the, the 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 denial of safe passage and as as larry said you know when there was no re- like when it would have been even to your benefit and it seems Laura, Laura says it's coming from the same zoom box uh, it seems <laughs> that um that there that uh, at least the shot the simple way to read this is that Sichon wanted us to suffer and that Sichon something about his own he got off on his own power like he enjoyed the fact that he was powerful and could make people suffer and that's a distinction and there are what is you know it's 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 too easy sometimes to be like oh the evil men running you know bad you know uh you know you can fill in the blanks right bad this leader bad this leader but usually that's that's like, come on, it's not about that one guy. It's a whole history and nation and conflicts and cultures. And, you know, but sometimes you get the feeling that the person who landed in that top position loves being powerful and loves exercising that power with, in the form of cruelty. And that's what Pharaoh was. And that's what Sichon is someone who, who enjoys, I was just watching. Uh, um, uh obi-wan kenobi right it was like all these scenes with darth vader and that's what darth vader represents that's what the 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 empire represents in the star wars mythology it's just someone who wants to make you suffer wants you to know the 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 point of their rule is to establish that you will be um you will be uh, submitted before them and there's some, there, that's a that's a certain kind of leadership, and that kind of leadership perhaps is what Sichon and Og represent, and why they're so dangerous. Okay, great. All right, um, we have eight, eight minutes left, and I, um, there's one more important piece of text that we have to consider, and I think there's at least one more clue that you know we've done a lot of good work now in trying to figure out what what was so bad about Tzichon. Um, but there's one more important clue because. Yes, Og has all of these legends. It has this verse where he was so big, and all these legends develop around Og. And I encourage you to, to look at the legend of Og, really wild stuff. But Sichon, where's where the legend of Sihon? Remember Rashi said, Oh, so it is in the in the Agadah, he is the worst king of all. Where's the legend? The truth is, the truth is, there is um, there is a kind of a a legend of Sichon recorded in the Torah itself. Because remember, Moses is recounting the Battle of Sihon. But that battle took place back in the Book of Numbers. So we're going to go back and look at the Book of Numbers we are going to get most of the same information that Moses gave us. But then, well, then you'll see. Okay, so let's take a look. Last, last major piece of text today. Okay, so Israel now sent messengers to Sihon, king of the Amorites saying, let me pass through your country. We will not turn off, in, this is back now in the Book of Numbers. We will not turn off into fields or vineyards. We will not drink water from wells. We'll follow your king's highway until we've crossed your territory. It's always interesting to compare Deuteronomy account to numbers to the earlier in the Torah. And Moses uh, uh, often makes interesting switches, but we're not going to pay that much attention to today because it's mostly the same story. But Sichon would not Israel, let Israel pass through his territory Sihon gathered all his troops and went out against Israel in the wilderness. He came to Yahaz and engaged them in battle, but Israel put them to the sword, took possession of their land, et cetera, et cetera, place names. And Israel took all those towns, et cetera, et cetera, place names. And Hezbon. now look at this last line. Hezbon was the city of Sihon, king of the Amorites, who had fought against a former king of Moab and taken all his land from him, as far as they are known." Now that's interesting information. Sichon is known to have taken land from other kings in the region. Probably shouldn't surprise us at this point. And in fact, you, this, you may remember this because we, we read this at the beginning of Parshat Balak, another one of our enemy kings that Moses doesn't seem to care too much about it, after the fact. Balak son of Zippor saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites and Moab was alarmed because the people was so numerous and Moab dreaded the Israelites and said, wow, now they're going to get us. Why? Because they saw what they had done to the Amorites. Balak, who was king of Moab at that time. Okay, but earlier there was a different king of Moab and, and Sihon had taken all of their land. So there's history there. Okay, fine. So that's one point. But the, the last thing that I want to show you is quite unusual is that the Torah stops and gives us a little poem. And I don't know exactly how to translate this, the translation in Safari is, therefore the bards would recite, but a Mashal is more like a parable. So it's like they would tell a little story about this and this story is supposed to teach you something about who Sichon was. So this is the legend of Sichon. this is the thing that we actually should have been Paying attention to all along. So let's read the poem. It's not very easy to understand, but let's see if there are any last clues in this poem, in this mashal, this allegory, this I don't know how do you say it, the bards um, would recite. Um, let's see if there's anything left for us to understand about Sichon here. Okay. Um come bo Keshbon, come to Keshbon, firmly built and well founded is sikhon City. For fire went forth from Heshbon and flame from Sihon City, consuming are of Moab and the lords of Bamot by the Arnon. Okay, that's not easy to understand, but it seems like, boy, they were, they burst out like a fire. Woe to you, O Moab, you are undone, O people of, 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 uh, what is that? Woe to you, O Moab, oi lecha Avarata am kamosh. You are done, O people of kamosh his sons are rendered fugitive and his daughters captive by an amorite king Sichon. yet we have cast them down utterly cheshbon along with dibon we have wrought desolation at nopha which is hard by Medeva, i don't know what that means i don't know what that means Just, i don't think it's it's near which is which is near madeva so israel occupied the land of the amorites okay Now, what is the most interesting piece of information we got from this little poem? Oh, they were so mighty and they attacked all the regions, but we got them, we got them. But there's one other little piece of information there. You see it? See the other thing that that Sichon is known for besides taking the other land of the region? What was the other thing that he does? What is the other thing that he does? Woe to you, Moab. You are done, you are undone, people of Kamosh. His sons are rendered fugitive and his daughters captive. Right? Natan banav pleitim uvnotav bashvit. Lamelech emri sikhon, the king of the Amorite sikhon. So sikhon was not just the kind of guy that wouldn't let you pass through. Not just the kind of guy that's taking all of the land in the regions that he can get. And think about axes of evil and what we fear in terms of them spreading and taking over. But he was also the he was also we now learn, or we I guess we learned earlier, he was also the kind of king that once he conquered you, your all of your children would be would be taken captured, and the the men would be conscripted, and the woman, Would be, well, what do you think the woman would be conscripted for? He's gonna turn your sons into his slaves and your daughters into his concubines. Right? So that now that's an important snippet of information there. We've been building this case against Sichon. Why was Sihon the worst? Well, I mean, certainly we gotta add this in the case is that not only strategically did he own the land that we needed, not only did he prevent us from getting there, not only, et cetera, all of the things we've been saying along, but he was the kind of person who was going to take your children away and do with them as he wished. And that's, that's what made him so especially terrifying. Okay, let's take uh, one last comment from Payam.
1: I'm just thinking about the lack of information and of about Mouse and get about the human imagination is far worse than the truth. And if you tell the truth, people don't believe it. You know, Miles is about the Holocaust. And when he was talking about the Holocaust, he decided to use mice and cats mm. to break through. And when Vonnegut was talking about his World War II experience, he turned into a weird sci-fi novel. Mm. So I think the Bible, and not giving us information, it's just saying he's so bad, we can fill it in the blanks. And our imaginations are far worse than what they could have written.
0: Good. That's a great note to end on. Uh, I love the way you frame that, Payam. Um, that's what we've been trying to figure out all along is exactly uh, the, the, that sort of lack of information. The way that the Torah, and not just the Torah, but the book of Psalms, the book of Judges, the book of Joshua, keeps returning to the great last battles of Moses, Sihon and Og, and yet doesn't really tell us what what was so bad? Why are those the final battles to remember? Why are why are those so burned in Moses's brain and in the brain of the later composers of biblical literature? We don't know, but as Payam says, when we don't know, let the legends fly, right? And with Og, we've got such juicy material to work with, right, because he's apparently gigantic. So he himself, we can just think of it as a monster, a giant, a you know, But Sichon, we have even less information, but I think we've done a good job in this class at least beginning to construct a case that would help us understand why these two figures stand out in Moses's historical memory, even more than Pharaoh as his axis of evil. Okay, that's it. A taste of our weekly Parsha class. Uh, I want to thank everyone who came to the class, some of whose voices you may have heard today, uh, some you didn't because the podcast has been edited. So just want to thank everybody. Um, And speaking of editing, I want to thank also our uh, editor, Vera Blossom, for her great work. If you'd like to join our class sometime, and come and and join our our circle of, of Torah geeks, you can find us uh, again, Thursdays, 12 p.m. online at ikar.org. That's i-k-a-r.org. And uh, and if you go to the calendar, uh, then you can find a Zoom link and just click in. And um, and in the section uh, on the website uh, that that uh, we keep our classes, you can if you click on partial study, you'll find all of our archived classes and source sheets and everything we discuss there. So. If you're looking for a regular Parsha class, I'd love to see you. Um, and, uh, And in the meantime, I will talk to you next week.